0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Radio. The Rifleman Radio Show is brought to you by the Appleseed Project, which is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. The Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated to bringing you the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today, and at the same time, giving you some history uh, of America, Uh, reminding you that this nation didn't just uh, appear out of nowhere. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of courage on the parts of a lot of uh, individuals, a lot of men and women. And it all began on April 19, 1775. At Lexington, Concord, the North Bridge, and along Battle Road back to Boston. There... There is a huge debt that we owe to those folks that have come before us, those men and women who sacrificed, in in some cases all, in some cases everything, their lives, their fortunes, their families, so that we could have the nation that we have today. And that debt is a debt that
0: we really can't
1: repay. I mean how would we repay them? How would we how would we make it right? How would we balance the scales? And the answer is uh we can't. We can never really repay them. What we can do though, is to honor them. And we honor them by remembering them. By remembering our history. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight is appleseed and history and what we do, why we do it. Once again, I'd like to welcome everyone uh, to the show this evening, and uh, let's talk about the upcoming shoots because uh, October and November are uh, are filled with shoots. We're running uh, through the fall and uh, at a high speed into our winter shoots, and uh, want to make sure that everyone understands that. This is not the time to be slacking off. This is the time to actually be adding shoots, to be adding um, additional shoots uh, onto the schedule, to be working as hard as you can to gather more instructors, to harvest instructors from the the events, and uh, to continually remember that it's your job, uh, no matter if you're an instructor or just a member or anyone, that it's your job uh, to be an ambassador uh, to the public at large, to be uh, a promotions head uh, for your area. Uh, that's everybody in the program. <clears throat> All right, well, let's read off the the upcoming events, because as I said, we have quite a few coming up uh, in October and November. And we'll get started off with uh, the upcoming weekend, which is October 23rd and 24th. And that's going to start off in Glen Helen, California, followed by Lemoore, California, Azusa, California, Rainbow, California, Mayaca City, Florida, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, Tocoa, Georgia, Ottawa, Illinois, North Porter County, Indiana. This is a one day event. It occurs on Saturday, October 23rd. Cloverdale, Indiana. Evansville, Indiana, Carrollton, Kentucky, Knob Creek, Kentucky, Boaz, Kentucky, Sherbourne, Louisiana, Harvard, Massachusetts, Osage Beach, Missouri, Grand Island, Nebraska, Calverton, New York, Afton, Oklahoma, Anderson, South Carolina, Amarillo, Texas, College Station, Texas, Davila, Texas, Buckingham, Virginia, Castle Rock, Washington, Van Dyne, Wisconsin. That takes us to the October 30th, 31st weekend. That begins in Clinton, Arkansas, followed by Kingman, Arizona, Dulzura, California, Castro Valley, California, Rama, Colorado, Wallingford, Connecticut, Hernando County, Florida, Nampa, Idaho, Indianapolis, Indiana, which is a one day event occurring on Saturday, October 30th. Lapeer, Michigan. Hinkley, Minnesota. Ramsar, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Las Vegas, Nevada. Gardnerville, Nevada. Athens, Ohio. Bristol, Wisconsin. Withy, Wisconsin is also a one day event, which occurs on October 30th, Saturday. Stinson, West Virginia. I take this to the first week in November. We've got a couple of uh, off-day shoots here. We have the New Martinsville, West Virginia shoot, which is occurring on November 3rd and 4th, which looks like a uh, Thursday and Friday. And then the Mount Vernon, Kentucky shoot, which is a Friday and Saturday shoot. And that takes us to the weekend of November 6th and 7th, which is the Saturday and Sunday that starts off at Newhall, California, followed by Bakersville, California, Fresno, California, Piru, California, which is a ladies-only shoot, November sixth and seventh, Santa Barbara, California, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Bonnell, Florida, Waterman, Illinois, Leyden, Massachusetts, Annapolis, Maryland, Miamisburg, Ohio, Worcester. Ohio, Gaston, South Carolina, San Angelo, Texas, Stevenson, Washington, Lodi, Wisconsin, Eleanor, West Virginia. That takes us to the weekend of November 13th and 14th, which begins in Sacramento, California, followed by Piru, California, Brighton, Colorado, New Sperna Beach, Florida, Waco, Georgia, Dakota, Georgia, Coeur Idaho, Alton, Illinois, El- Evansville, Indiana, Eureka, Kansas, Humansville, Missouri, Como, Mississippi, Carlsbad, New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Wilmington, Ohio, Eagle Creek, Oregon, Manchester, Tennessee, Quail Creek Range in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, College Station, Texas, Virginia Beach, Virginia, which takes us to the weekend of November 20th and 21st, and that starts out in Buckeye, Arizona, followed by Ridgecrest, California, Gunnison, Colorado, Hartford, Connecticut, St. Augustine, Florida, Mayaca City, Florida, Hernando, Florida. This is another one day event. That's on Saturday, November 20th. Bonville, Illinois. Washburn, Missouri. Ramsar, North Carolina. Lincoln, Nebraska. Pelham, New Hampshire. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Grandfield, Oklahoma. Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Davila, Texas. Midland, Texas. Let me make a mention about the Davila, Texas. Uh, November 20th, 21st event, that's going to be uh, the uh, after Rifleman's Boot Camp event. And uh, if you're in Texas and uh, you would like to attend a a really high power, uh, really exciting event, the apple seeds that follow the Rifleman's Boot Camps are really great events to uh, attend because... You have a graduating class of instructors who are just dying to instruct at the end of these boot camps. They so have a really high rate of instructors to student ratios. They're all eager to uh, to teach, to instruct. <coughs> and they get to instruct uh, their first event at the end of the Robsonwood Boot Camp at the Alpsida Follettit. So this is a great uh, event to attend because of the high ratio of instructors to uh, students because of the exciting atmosphere there. You've got a lot of instructors who are just who are just bursting at the seams to uh, show you some of the uh, – the or pass on the skills and techniques that they've learned uh, to you. <clears throat> Midland, Texas, November 20th and 21st. Yakima, Washington, Ubertus, Wisconsin, which is a one-day event on Saturday, November 20th. Racine, Wisconsin. Stinson, West Virginia, and that takes us to the November 27th, 28th weekend, and this begins in Kingman, Arizona, followed by Glen Helen, California, this is another ladies-only event, November 27th and 28th, followed by Sunland, California, Riley, Indiana, Hinkley, Minnesota, Terrell, Texas and Harvard, Massachusetts. Harvard will be a one-day, Saturday-only event on November 28th. All right. That uh, gives us a full month ahead. Let me say again that that rather than slowing the pace down, we want to make sure that we're picking the pace up, that we're looking ahead. There's still plenty of time uh, right now. In the month of October, to uh, add an additional event for November or December, we need to do it now because uh, you need uh, uh, you need a few weeks running time for people to to see it to know that it's uh, going to be coming. But there's still time for you to add an additional event. I'm not talking about putting uh, 15 or 20 events up. I'm talking about each state adding one event. That's uh, 48 events we can put on the books between now in the end of December. It truly shouldn't be hard to do. We're just talking about one event in your state. One event in your state. That's all we're asking for. Put on one additional event in your state before the end of the year. And just because you've had an event uh, at a certain range uh, or you already have one scheduled, there's no reason you can't double up. There's no reason you can't uh, look. take a look at the schedules. uh and say, look, uh, there's time to get one more. You can have a, an event at the beginning of uh, November. There's no reason you can't have one at the end or the first week in December, uh, even if you already have one scheduled uh, at that uh, location. I'm just asking for you to take a look uh, at the schedule, at your schedule at the ranges, et cetera, between now and the end of December and add an additional event there. And that being said, the time to start working on two eleven schedule is way past, so make sure that you are, that you're quickly getting your information in uh to savage shooter for the two thousand eleven year make sure you got your dates uh flowing in and flooding into her for the two thousand and eleven schedule. The ranges that will allow you to uh go ahead and schedule events uh before January one go ahead and get those on the books. Uh, you'll, we spoke with Savage uh, last week about this, and uh, you'll need to uh, check and make sure that your EIPs are correct for each of the uh, locations that you're scheduling. If nothing has changed, then you can send in the EIP with the notation note change on it. And then make sure that you're working on each of the locations, even if it's a uh, an established relationship with a range, that you're getting them to sign a new contract and sending that in to Savage Shooter. All right, before I get too far ahead of this, uh, let me make sure that uh, I read you the update sent to me by Hawkhaven, and uh, this is a list uh, of events that are sold out so far, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, it's easy uh, to get into the, the, the frame of mind or to the thought pattern that uh, you can wait to the last minute and just walk on to uh, to the range and get a place on the line. That's not going to always be the case, and it's quickly becoming less and less uh, of a good idea because the ranges, we're getting uh, high attendance numbers at a lot of ranges, and those shoots are getting closed out. So <clears throat> if you want to make sure, let me read this list to you real quick here. All right, ranges that are sold out, events that are sold out for uh, October 23rd and 24th weekend. We have the Calverton, New York shoot, the Van Dyne, Wisconsin shoot, the Rainbow, California shoot, and Castle Rock, Washington shoot. For October 30th and 31st, Lapeer, Michigan is sold out. And there's a note here from Ed saying that there are quite a few events that are just uh, right there on the line. They're really close to being sold out. So if you want to make sure that you get a place on the line, uh, the best way to do that is to go to rwva.org. That's the home page. Look at the the, uh, tabs across the top of the page. The second from the left says Appleseed. You put your cursor on that uh, tab, you'll get a drop-down menu. On the drop-down menu, select Schedule that will take you to the page that I just read from. On that page, you'll look down, you'll see the events listed by date. You'll have the cities, followed by the state, and then the date. So if you look at the, uh, uh, now you can also, uh, right at the very top, right above the schedule there, there's a filter. So if you just want to find a listing for all the events in uh, Massachusetts, you just click on the filter and hit the uh, filter tab, and it'll filter out all the rest of the shoots and just give you the uh, the events that uh, are in Massachusetts. So once you've looked and you've uh, decided on an event that you want to attend, there are two hot links right beside the uh, that event date. One says information. That gives you the location, uh, any specific rules and regulations uh, for that event, for that event on that specific location, that specific date. It'll give you the contact information for the folks, directions, etc. cetera, all the stuff you'll need for that event. Right next to that is another hot link that says register. Now, to make sure that you have a place on the line, you click on register, and that'll take you to the Eventbrite page. And that's the third-party software that handles our registrations. You click on that, and you go ahead and get registered for the event that you wish to attend. Now, you do this even if you're in one of the uh, free categories, uh, women, children, veterans, law enforcement, etc. Even if you're one of these free categories, we still need you to do this. Number one, it makes sure that you have a place on the line. And number two, it makes sure that we know that you're coming. We know how many people are going to be there because that's how we schedule staff for the events. Uh that's how we know how much equipment, uh, supplies, etc to send there, how I many t-shirts, uh, targets, et cetera. And we need to know this at a pretty uh and a fairly uh early date so that we can schedule the instructors, we can get them their uh, plane tickets, uh, hotel reservations, rental cars if they need them. Uh so that we can uh, schedule uh uh additional line if we need it uh there have been several occasions where we've had events that were just about to sell out and we were able to secure additional line at that range uh, or nearby for that same event now i can tell you this there's uh, we may be able to do this we may not but it, i can guarantee you that it won't happen if we don't know that uh that these folks are coming so make sure that you are pre registered for the events. That's uh that's a good way to to help both of us out. Okay, I read you the list of the sold out events. Uh I've told you how to get to the uh, uh to the home page, how to find the uh the uh the listing of events there.
0: <clears throat> and
1: uh we're gonna be talking about Appleseed and History, tonight. And uh, I think I put the call-in number into the uh, uh, into the chat room. Let me give it out here over the air again. It's uh, 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. If you'd like to call in to uh, ask some questions... Or to talk about uh, uh, Appleseed and uh, and our mission of uh, providing history, or how you uh, view the mission of Appleseed in history, et cetera. You guys are welcome to call in. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, bring some folks on the line right now. Sam, evening, are you there? Well, Hey, welcome here. to the show, Sam. Thank you, Scout. It's always a pleasure. Guys, this is uh Sam D in New Mexico. He is a, a good friend of mine and a uh, fantastic Apple Seed instructor and he helps me every week on the show by uh by uh helping me to fill in any uh any dead air spaces, uh correcting me on any glitches. So I depend on uh, I depend on Sam. How are you doing, Sam? Welcome to the show.
2: Doing great tonight, Scout. It's good that we're talking about history tonight. I think it's a it's a good time to talk about that. i uh, have heard a lot of folks lately having some some issues with history in their own mind and how they want to go about it. And I think it's a good topic to discuss tonight. Maybe we can get some good hints out to people.
1: Right. Right. And let me first start off by saying that <clears throat> why why do we even do that? Why do we even have history? Uh, you know, wh- what's the big deal about that? Uh, history, and you, I'm sure that everyone uh, has heard the the saying that those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat it. And this is certainly true. This is certainly the case. Uh, if you don't know what you've done or how it turned out, uh, then, then you certainly uh, stand the chance of being doomed uh, to repeat it. Uh, if you don't know that the uh, putting your hand on the burner top is uh, going to burn your hand, yeah. then you may just slap that hand on that burner top. What were you going to say,
2: Sam? Oh, nothing. I was just laughing, thinking about somebody doing that. <laughs> I, I well, seem to run into him every day.
1: Exactly. I can't and remember. <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know your history, then how are you going to know what you're going to do in the future? Uh, if you don't know that your na- what your name is, if you don't know who your parents are, where you're from, or what you've done. How are you going to know what to do? Uh, if you come up and you introduce yourself to somebody and you say, "Hi, my name is uh, uh, my name is Gout," uh, uh, I, I don't know what my last name is, and somebody asks you, "Well, uh, well, where are you from?" And you say, "Well, I, you know, I don't know." Well, uh, where are your parents? You know, I I, I don't know. Okay, well, well, what have you done? You know, I really don't know. <laughs> well, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do now? And your answer is going to have to be, I, I don't know. I don't know who I am or what I've done. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, It sounds like a, a nightmarish case of uh, amnesia. And I can tell you that every, uh, I'm sure you could ask every single amnesiac uh, what their current mental state is, and it's going to be a a state of anxiety, because (laughs) without knowing what their history is, how are they going to know what they're going to do in the future? How are they going to know how to conduct themselves? If you don't know your history, then you are doomed to repeat it. Uh you know whenever I talk to the folks here in Texas about this uh Texas has a a history that's uh that very closely parallels uh the national history when uh Texas <clears throat> Texas was originally a colony of uh Mexico you know Mexico received its independence uh in 1821 i believe from Spain and uh they had the colony of Texas and they had opened it up to uh to immigration uh from uh, from Mexico and from the surrounding uh, states and territories in the United States and uh, they had a few regulations in place for the colonists, then Santa Anna came along. There was a constitution; there was a Mexican constitution, uh, and uh, Santa Anna came along, and he became the the de facto ruler of Mexico uh, around eighteen thirty four, thirty five, I believe. And uh, and because of some uh because of some issues in the colonies, he decided that he would rule them with a firmer hand. Now, what were these issues in the colonies in Texas? Well, they wanted to be ruled under the Mexican constitution, the constitution of eighteen twenty four Now, if you look at the the history of the colonies, the colonists didn't want independence. Now, certainly, I'm not going to say that as as no colonists wanted independence because there were certainly many that did. I'm certain that uh, quite a few of them had that as their ultimate goal, but the majority were not looking for independence. They were looking to be governed under the British Constitution. That's all they wanted. They were British citizens, and they felt that they had the they deserved the same rights the same uh, to live under the same constitution as their brothers and sisters in England lived under and they weren't being allowed that and so that caused uh that caused some some anxiety and it caused uh, it was the beginning to cause uh some troubles in the colonies and in the same way it was beginning to cause some troubles in the colony of Texas well <clears throat> what happened in the colonies General Gage decided that the easiest way of uh, calming the folks down would be to go and take their their firearms and their gunpowder, because without that, then they would really all they could do is stand around and yell and maybe wave some pitchforks, etc. Uh but uh, they weren't going to be able to do anything, really. So he sent uh, British regulars out on a raid, to confiscate the gunpowder and firearms. And what did that do? That caused uh, a great deal of trouble. It caused the uh, the colonists uh, to begin to... Uh, it motivated them uh, to begin to uh, put together the militias and uh, to head down a path toward eventual conf- confrontation with England. Much of the same thing happened in Texas. Uh, In Texas, uh, in 1831, the uh, Mexican authorities gave the citizens uh, of Gonzales a small cannon. It was just to help protect them from the uh, the Comanche raids that were pretty frequent. And uh, they were very proud of that cannon. It was just a very small brass cannon, but they were very proud of that cannon. Well, Santa Ana decided that uh, the best way that he could uh, he could put a stop to the Troubles would be to go in and take the Gunpowder and the firearms from the colonists, so that they couldn't uh, they couldn't do anything uh, to cause him any grief. Well, they decided to take the cannon that had been awarded to the citizens of Gonzales. They decided to take it, and uh, whenever the whenever the colonists heard about this. They actually had a flag put together that uh, had a picture of a cannon on it and a star up above it, and it said, Come and take it. If you want our cannon, come and take it. And uh, on October 2nd, 1835, there was uh, actually a skirmish, which was the first military engagement of the Texas Revolution and uh, it was fought uh, out uh, near Gonzales uh, and uh, and we know what happened from there the uh, the Texas colonists had a battle there with the uh, Mexican regulars news of this spread and it caused uh, volunteers to arm themselves and make their way to Mexico at a fast pace from all over the uh, the continental United States. As soon as folks heard about this, they actually grabbed their uh, grabbed their muskets and powder and took off for Texas to help the Texans. the uh, The battle there in Gonzales was actually it's. it's it's still actually referred to as the Lexington of Texas, and uh, it had the same effect. When news of the skirmish spread to the United States, uh, they off they they geared up and they headed to uh, to Mexico. I mean, to Texans to uh, to help fight in the revolution. <clears throat> so, what does that tell us? Uh, obviously. Uh, Santa Anna had not been reading his history because he did the exact same things as Gage, and it had the exact same effect. <clears throat> so folks who don't read their history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, the thing that sets the Appleseed Project apart from uh, any of the other uh, rifle marksmanship, uh, uh, clinics or courses, etc. Is the fact that we do include history, and we include a lot of it. We talk to you about uh, the beginning of uh, of our nation. We talk to you about uh, the events that occurred at Lexington, at the North Bridge in Concord, and uh, Battle Road, back to Boston on April 19th, 1775. There's a lot of history that occurred just on this date. The American Revolutionary War began on this date.
3: Now, it didn't
1: end on that date. It just began there. It was another eight long, bloody years before the American Revolutionary War ended and there's a big difference between the American Revolutionary War and the American Revolution. One was one was designed to end. I mean, hopefully if you if you have a war, you're you're looking for that uh that one special date which is the end of it. But the other one was never meant to end. It was meant to be a continually, uh, an experiment in a continually expanding set of freedoms and liberties, of self-government, of self-rule. It was never meant to be, uh, it was never meant to end. So the Appleseed Project introduces a lot of history to folks, and, uh, you know, and that's what... Uh, Sam, I tell you, they, I don't care how good the the rifle marksmanship is, because whenever the whenever I talk to folks about an event, it never fails that uh, from them that I hear that yeah the I love the the marksmanship, and I learned uh, more in these two days than I learned in the last uh, 25 years. But the best part was the history, the history that I heard. I know that you've heard the same
2: thing. Oh, yes. Everybody loves the history. It's it's easy to motivate someone to, to come out and learn how to shoot. That's easy. But when they get that history, that that's what puts the hook into them. When they start realizing their connection with that part of our history and their involvement. And you have to right, remind because... them that... It's only seven
1: generations ago. Right. Right, and it's I don't only care. only
2: seven generations.
1: And I tell folks, you know, I don't, uh, it doesn't matter if you just got your your citizenship papers uh, a couple of hours before you uh, walked onto the line. If you're an American citizen, if you're an American, there's an unbroken line of men and women which stretch From us right here, right here on this firing line, all the way back to Lexington, the North Bridge and Concord and Battle Road, there's an unbroken line of American patriots that stretch back to that date. Uh, There's a tremendous amount of history, a tremendous amount uh, of history covering the sacrifices made by tens of thousands, by millions of people who came before us. And
0: uh, and we
1: can't tell you all of the history. <laughs> it would certainly take too long to do that. We can't tell you all of the history of the last 234 years. But we can get you started by giving you the history of April 19, 1775, by reintroducing you uh, to American patriots, American heroes, and... And getting you started on understanding uh and learning the history of this nation. Let's bring another call on the line. Uh area code five zero seven. You're on the air? Five zero seven nine nine zero. You there? Hold on, let me I don't know that I opened the mic. It may mean, not have uh responded to my authority. All right. Eric Cook, 507, you're on the air. Oh, come on, 507. <laughs> okay. You well want to hear put any pressure on, I don't want to put any pressure on anybody. I'm not going to – I didn't see any of the, the – red. oh, well, I ran them off. All right. <laughs> uh, you guys don't have to talk, but uh, if I didn't see the – I didn't see the red hand uh, next to the number. So if you want to call in. Please feel uh, welcome to call in. The call in number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Because we'd like to uh, uh, we'd like to hear from any of the folks. Now I'm gonna I'm uh, I'm gonna open your mic again and just ask you. You don't have to hang up. Area five zero seven. If you want to talk, you're on the air. Yes, this is Scott. Scott from Minnesota. Well Scott, welcome yeah, to the show. Freedom. How are you doing this evening?
4: Doing good, uh, Freedom V on the forums. Um I just uh had a nice uh parallel handgun training where I was able to uh seven step about uh fifty people from all over the United States down in Nevada.
5: You what were you doing in
1: Nevada? You were just attending a uh, course there?
4: I was in, attending a course down at uh, Firearms or uh, handgun defensive handgun school.
1: Well, listen, I can tell you this right now that uh, <clears throat> when you told them that the uh, Appleseed two-day rifle marksmanship clinics were only seventy bucks, I bet
2: uh, I bet they were happy
1: about that because I can guarantee they, they you you they didn't pay. Uh, I guarantee you yeah. you paid more than that for that course. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! And, <laughs> and they
4: like like that they could bring the kids for free.
1: There you go. Women, children under 21, you got the whole group free. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going to be shooting. Everybody's going to be learning the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. And you know, uh and I always in case anybody new is listening, I always try to make sure that when I tell people that it's the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship, that they understand that the fundamentals are a lot different than the basics. The basics are uh, this is the barrel and this is the stock and this goes up against your shoulder and the bullet comes out of this hand and uh, and don't get them reversed. Don't get them mixed up. Uh, That's (laughs) the basics, all right? The fundamentals uh, are the things that you're going to use, the skills and techniques that you're going to use, no matter what level of shooting that you're at. We're going to teach you uh, how to build a stable shooting position. Uh, in uh, in standing, sitting, prone, we're going to teach you how to determine your natural point of aim and shift it onto the target, and Then we're going to teach you how to execute the shot by the six steps. And this is all stuff that you're going to use, no matter if you are just, if I just help you get your rifle out of the box that you just bought it at Walmart that you've never touched before, all the way to uh, if you're just taking a break, from your job as the uh, the head of the SWAT department uh for the uh for the fifth largest uh city in the nation, either one, you're gonna use the stuff that we teach you at an appleseed event. No matter where you are, no matter where you go in your shooting uh, career and your shooting disciplines, you're going to use this. So uh certainly uh the uh, the seventy bucks for the two days uh, is a great price, <coughs> and I think that uh, I I don't mention this because I I just assume that the folks are doing it, but that's that's a great place to do promotions is when you're there with a bunch of shooters, uh, Scott who who are, have already they're already showing you that they want to. Uh, Uh, you know, they want to, uh, improve their firearms usage because they're, they've taken the time out to go to a course. And, uh, I can tell you that shooters are just like any other, any other group of folks that whenever they get on the path somewhere, very rarely do they stop at one, one, uh, course or one rifle or one handgun. You know, once you get started, it's just like anything else, you know, you're, you want to attend uh more classes so you can become uh better skilled uh in order to uh in order to improve your pistol marksmanship, your rifle marksmanship, shotgun use, whatever it is. And uh, that is a great place to promote the program. So good I job Scott.
6: A few,
4: uh, I had quite a few trifles with me and uh everybody was quite receptive and there was Four other students, uh, some from California and some from uh, Washington, and uh, I think Montana. That they said it, it's been on my calendar. I've been trying to get uh, a weekend that that works out, and I know I'm going to get there in the next six to twelve months. So,
1: right, right, and you just uh, you were another. We talked before in the program about uh, about how it take you're not going to just uh run across a flyer you're not just gonna, and go to an event uh, a lot of times or you're not going to just uh see it on a forum somewhere and say hey uh, that's it i'm locked in i'm going to go a lot of times it takes multiple uh introductions multiple exposures uh to the program just like anything else before you will go uh to before you attend the event so you were uh fulfilling your duty in providing that additional plug uh that. The same way, just like uh, the billboard program that we have, uh, mm-hmm. when you see a billboard for a Snickers bar, uh, unless you're just absolutely uh, craving one, you don't exit the freeway and go to a store and buy a Snickers, but it just it's, it's putting it into your head so that the next time you're in a store and you're standing there at the checkout line, you go, that's right, Snickers, I remember that. And you buy the Snickers bar. It's the same thing with the uh, uh, with the promotional exposures that we do, and uh, and reminding folks uh, of that, uh, especially whenever they uh, whenever they just attended a high priced event, (coughs) reminding them that there's a nice, affordable (laughs) event uh, is a good idea. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: What was the? uh, How many people attended the? uh, You said this was a defensive handgun course.
4: Right. Well, there's uh, 39. We had 39 on our range, and and this is uh, a large school down there. There was, between the uh, four-day shotgun, they had two- and four-day defensive handgun and shotgun courses going on. There was around 450 people there that weekend.
1: Good grief.
0: How
4: much was the course? um well it, it varies. They retail the four day courses for two grand but nobody pays retail and, and, they, and then they have all these specials that say, well, okay, for you you don't have to pay full price, we got a special deal for you. And uh but it's generally three to five hundred dollars for a four day course.
1: Oh, is this front site? Yeah. Okay. Well when you say two grand that's what uh that's what clicked in and especially the uh the 400 people, because very few, very few courses, uh, you know, very few uh, classes are set up to uh, handle that many folks. And yeah, that's yeah. a great marketing technique, right? Two grand, mm-hmm. two grand for the course, but for you, one day yeah. only,
4: because we can't do this all
1: day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> now. <laughs> and, uh, if
4: you I'm call in right it. now, <laughs> I'm looking forward uh, to. Uh, uh La Crosse, Wisconsin appleseed in uh uh December fifth and sixth I think, the first weekend of December for some uh known distance shooting on Sunday and and uh my wife's coming down to that one. It'll be her second uh, Appleseed and uh my cousin and a few other people so we're gonna have a gonna have a good shoot in uh Lacrosse, Wisconsin in December.
1: Okay. Listen, when you talk to the folks at uh at the recent event that you went to, <coughs> uh, some of the folks had heard about the program, uh, without a doubt, because we're to that point now where, uh, you know, the Apple feed has, has a name and, and folks understand it, uh, you know, throughout the the shooting cultures now. Uh, do you hear anybody talking about the fact that, we, that we're that we a history-oriented organization as well as shooting?
4: um well the the four individuals that had been trying to to find a weekend that worked out with their schedule um seemed to be familiar with that and and uh, it was definitely a plus plus. and uh the other shooters that I introduced it to um got excited when when I said we we
1: promote the, promote the history right right and uh and that's certainly another uh, another thing that I would like you guys to remember when you're talking when you're doing promotions especially when you're talking to folks uh that are in the homeschoolers uh category because uh, uh because we do provide a lot of history and that's very important to a lot of the uh a lot of the homeschoolers uh who are thinking about attending the events. uh if you guys want to call in the number is 347 347- three zero eight eight seven nine zero. We're gonna be talking about uh, history this evening. That apple seed and history. Scott, when you guys uh when you guys do the history, uh how do you guys do the history? Well the during the breaks,
4: the, the three strikes, the the um the Red Hats and the senior I I instructors in training uh go through it. Uh I don't know that it's any different than and that's one of the nice things about the apple seeds is it's fairly consistent in the way the the training goes and
1: right. And do you guys uh like how do you uh what do you do the first try? Um
4: I think uh,
2: usually lunchtime on Saturday. Lunchtime on Saturday. What about you, Sam? We generally do it at lunchtime on Saturday.
1: Okay. Usually what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll bring the folks in. We'll do the meet and greet first thing. We'll do the meet and greet real quick. And that way uh, I can tell folks what uh, what appleseed is, what we're going to do.
5: Then we do the...
1: Uh, uh, an introduction to the uh, the overall safety aspect. Then we do the line commands, and then we do the uh, the actual safety briefing, because I want the safety briefing to be the last thing that they hear before they uh, head out to the parking lot to grab their rifles. <coughs> then they come back, we we'll do the red coats, and then uh, we'll start on the instruction. And then we'll have a quick break, and we'll get the uh, first strike in. And then, uh, uh, and it's not always, uh, we don't always do the history the exactly the same way. Uh, a lot of it will depend on how the, uh, on how the, that particular crowd is, because every Apple Seed is a different show. Uh, every group of folks makes it uh, a different experience than, uh, it will kind of depend to me on how the event's running, uh, what our schedule is like. A lot of times we'll uh, we'll do the first and second strikes at uh, lunchtime. And then the third strike, uh, we can do it uh, at a break around 345 or so. And then we'll do the benediction. But we usually get uh, all three strikes in on Saturday. And I do that because uh, a lot of folks, a lot of times folks aren't always going to be there on Sunday. Now, if folks are, if I, if I take a poll of the crowd, and usually I do during the meet and greet, if I take a poll of the crowd, and they're all going to be there on Saturday and Sunday, then I may we may stretch it out a little bit. We may do a little bit more shooting on uh, Saturday and then uh, uh, run some of the history over into Sunday. But usually I try and get it all done on Saturday so that uh, so that everybody who attends can get all three strikes. And then we'll just... Uh, we'll add in some additional history on Sunday or we'll get one of the uh, uh one of the other IITs that needs to tell their history and have them uh, retell sections of the history so uh, i run it uh, i'll run it different ways uh on different days according to the different crowds but even in uh Even in uh on days where the, the time constraints are still pretty much pushed, I still try and get in all three strikes on Saturday because I, I want to make sure that the people who came, uh that, that everybody who comes gets the full spectrum of the history uh on Saturday. What about you guys, Sam? Sammy, you there?
2: I'm here, Scout. Oh, okay. We we run the whole history on Saturday uh, to make sure that everybody gets a whack at it. And on Sunday, we do the Dangerous Old Men, although we have a little different kind of take on it here that I've tried to push. I just call it Dangerous People because we like to show that sense of community, and we show... Everybody that was involved in all the little ways. Because it's not just dangerous old men. There's a lot of women and children involved in that, too. It's a community effort. So we like to put that, and I generally push that on Sunday. Right. I'm trying to make the hard sell and get them to come back to that next apple seed. Mm -hmm. I'll make that connection with them and draw on that
1: string and pull them in. Right. And I have some of the times I have some of the... uh, uh, the instructors i'll ask them you know i I try and keep the instructors motivated on learning their history and uh on uh, finding uh, new ways to teach it uh Just recently, we had one of the instructors who uh, we told the all, all the history on Saturday, and then we had another of the instructors who told the history <clears throat> uh, the first strike of the history uh from the viewpoint of uh, uh isaac davis's wife and uh then we've had folks tell the history uh from the viewpoint of folks who weren't actually uh uh involved uh in the fighting on those days and we've had uh folks tell the history uh from the viewpoint of individual uh militia members of individual uh, folks who were fighting so we try and get the uh the history aspect of it, covered from uh, as many different angles as we can, and uh, that's one of the things that makes us different than any other human organization is the fact that we tie it in. Uh, we tie in what we're doing to the history of America, and we try to make it relevant to what's going on in the world today. We try and and tie make a direct uh, tie in from what is happening today and what's going on to all the way to uh what the folks were experiencing on April 19, 1775. And I don't mean that we're experiencing uh the events uh, beginning at, uh leading up to the revolution. What I mean is is folks understanding that they have a responsibility to the nation that they have a responsibility as Americans uh, to become involved, to be a part uh, of the we, the people of these United States. And so we make sure that we make a direct tie in that way. I see that uh, I'm looking here, I'm reading this it's a chat right here. And uh, who is it here? It says uh, one of the guys is saying that... Uh, uh, one of our instructors, Jimmy. If Jimmy were the shoot boss, he would have six hours of history and two hours of shooting. That's one of your guys, right, Sam? Jim, Jim one. Well,
2: I believe Jimmy would do that if he could. <laughs> well, I can tell you that
3: uh,
1: I love the shooting. I love the. Uh, I love helping folks learn to shoot, uh, how to handle their rifles in a safe fashion, and uh, how to become proficient uh, in rifle marksmanship. But just as much as I love uh, the history, uh, and I I would probably be right there with him. uh, I would have no problem uh, doing an hour and an hour and a half of history uh, for each of the strikes. And uh, one of the reasons is that because that's I learned my storytelling uh, craft from uh, from the boss, from Fred. And uh, uh, if, you, if you've ever uh, listened to Fred tell the stories, then you uh, uh, know what I'm talking about. They uh, they can get very long and involved. And uh, uh, we don't want you to do that. We don't want you to uh, we don't want you to do to spend an hour. Well, we'd like you to spend a. Uh, uh like eighteen to uh eighteen to twenty minutes uh telling each of these strikes and uh and making sure that it's a nice tight story it doesn't have to be uh it doesn't have to be filled up with the names and the dates uh and all the exact information of uh what occurred on those dates. But you need to give the folks a good overview of it and most importantly you need to make them understand that it's important to you. That this story is important to you. Because if it's not important to you as the storyteller of the history then why would it ever be important to them? It's got to be important to you. And that's the main thing that you need to get across to folks. Uh, In the and the few minutes that you're going to have with them in order to tell the story. You're never going to be able to tell uh, every detail of it. But what you can do is to tell enough of the story and tell it in such a way uh, that they under that they can get a sense of your passion for it and that that can motivate them to seek out the history on their own. That's what we're trying to get folks to do. Is to give them. We don't want to give them every single minute of the history. Uh, that's like uh, uh, that's like showing them the whole movie. What you want to do is give them a good uh, give them a good twenty minute trailer of the movie, and then let them go out and uh, and watch the movie on their own after that. Or give them a good trailer of the movie so that they become interested in it. So that they become uh, their passion. Uh, can be stirred, just as it is for you, for the teller of the story, the instructor. All right, if you guys want to call in, it's, uh, the call-in number is 347-308-8790. We're going to bring another caller on the line. Uh there it goes 361-779. Pop, is that you? It's
6: I of them. Three
1: six one seven seven nine. You're on the air. I take. All right, we'll bring him back in just a minute. I guess we missed him.
2: Uh, let me pop a little something in here, Scout. When it comes to history, all right, a little experience that came to me and and kind of woke me up a bit a while back. I was looking at my mother's. Uh, paperwork from when she uh, filed to join the DAR. And and I'm looking at all of her ancestors, my ancestors going back, and I looked at my grandmother, who was 72 or 73 when, when she died. And that put me back to the turn of the century, to 1900. And if she talked with her grandmother who lived just about as long what over hundred dollars that would take her back to speaking with somebody who was alive in, in eighteen thirty. And if she had spoken with her grandmother who lived just about as long, that's someone that was alive during the revolution. Four generations ago,
1: you've got that close. Right, so you and I be I've, I've got history. a book I've got a book that's got your name in it, Sam. So I know exactly how many people it takes to get back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got the uh, the book that uh, that follow you follows you guys back, and you're exactly right. This this is not uh, ancient Greek history. Uh, this is not uh, uh, you know, uh, caveman dinosaur stuff we're just a few generations removed from this we're still a as far as nations go we're still uh, a young nation uh, as far as uh, as countries go we're still very young <clears throat> that being said the uh, the documents which made us a nation uh the uh, Declaration of Independence, the uh, Constitution of the United States, and uh, the Bill of Rights. Uh, these documents were so brilliantly made uh, that it has taken us uh, from all the way from 1775 until now, almost on autopilot. Uh, but just like any, just like any, uh, any machine uh, running along, at some point, it's going to need some maintenance and some care, and that's where we are now. And uh, and that's our job is right, to make sure that that this nation is receiving
0: the maintenance, maintenance
1: that it needs, that it's receiving the uh, the TLC uh, that it requires, and. Uh, And we tell folks that, we introduce uh, their obligations to them by telling the story, by telling the history of the nation. And and to me, that's the absolute best part of the Applesea Project, is uh, telling folks the history of it. Whenever I'm at an event, whether I'm telling the story or just listening to it, That's my favorite part of the event. Uh, If I'm telling the story, then uh, once again, it's another chance for me to relive uh, those events, for me to put myself uh, in the place of those uh, courageous men and women and to relive those events. If I'm listening to it, the same thing. If I'm listening to an event, I don't care how many times uh, I hear the story or how many times I've told it, I still get excited listening to it I still get excited telling the story and as a good instructor so should you
5: you know
2: when you when when you talk with people about that history and you're talking about uh, people like David Lampson hiding behind that stone wall in front of the other church in town waiting for that supply wagon to come by With his friends, sitting there nervous. Right, Right. I've been sitting behind a wall, nervous, waiting for something to happen, and (laughs) it ain't comfortable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, Mark, one of our instructors, uh, and he and I were talking about this uh, on the phone last week, and. I don't know what made me or why we got onto this subject. Oh, I know what it was. I'm not going to talk about it right now, but uh, we we're talking about how something uh, something he was doing was kind of like an ambush, and uh, and for anybody that's ever sat on a night ambush, uh, or you could have a day one, I'm sure it's just not as common. Usually you have night ambushes. Anybody that's ever been on a night ambush, you know that uh, you can you you get there, you set up, and you're just uh, you're as high-strung and as nervous as you can be, and, uh, uh, you're, you know, a thousand percent vigilant, uh, you know, that first, uh, five to ten minutes, and, uh, and then it gets to about thirty minutes, and you're kind of settling down, and it gets to about an hour, and you're a little bit more relaxed, and then the second hour starts rolling up, and you get a little bit more relaxed, and, uh, after the uh, the second or third hour then all of a sudden your your eyes uh pop open and you go, you ask yourself, Was I just asleep? And uh because the first you know, the first ten minutes every twig, every uh every sound, you know, and then uh and then you get to that point where you go, Okay, well that's it, this is a wrap and uh you start to stand up, uh, to, to get everybody to call it off, to pack it up and go in, and lo and behold, there they are. And uh, that's just that's it's about every about every time. The minute that you uh, that you get relaxed enough to go to sleep, there they are. Uh, so, uh, but you're right. Uh, there is, and as an instructor, you should be you should be reading the history when you're preparing for this. Reading the history and sewing together the parts of the history that you can relate to, and using that history using your own personal experiences uh, and the fact that you can relate to a certain part of the history, and you tell it from that aspect. You tell the story from the aspect uh, that you're most uh, familiar with, the most comfortable with, or that ignites the, the passion in you. Yeah, I can imagine David Lampson, uh, uh sitting there waiting for the supply wagon. And, of course, uh, this is part of the, uh, uh, the history that we usually refer to as... Uh, the Dangerous Old Men. And this, act, this actually isn't a part of the Three Strikes, just anecdotal information. But, uh, yeah, there's David Lampson. And I think what a lot of people don't re- realize, or uh, and you'll find this out by doing additional reading, and you start putting the additional pieces of the puzzle together. Because another part of the story, the Dangerous Old Men stories that we uh, that we add in is as as, uh, additional information, <clears throat> is the story of Hezekiah Wyman. And... uh uh, if you read into read into the history, what you'll find is that Hezekiah Wyman was there with David Lampson. Uh, he was part of the group that, uh, that was waiting there to ambush uh, the supply wagons as they came along. And uh, he went on his own on his way after that, but he was part of that group, that loose uh, group of older gentlemen uh, who stopped the resupply wagons from reaching uh the uh, regulars on April 19th and as a instructor as a storyteller you should be continuously uh, reading your history and researching it because we tell the story we use the uh, Paul Revere's ride as our instructor's manual for telling the story and that's great because I'll tell you I've read a lot of history uh, of that day and Paul Revere's Ride gives the most detailed account of that day of any uh, of any text I've read so far. But that being said, there are still additional stories covering that day that you can't get in Paul Revere's Ride. You can only get uh by reading additional pieces of information uh, researching uh the characters and the events of that day, and learning new bits and pieces of it, which is what you should be doing. You should be seeking out new information and adding it uh, to your story to flesh out certain parts and and building a story that you can tell with passion, that you can tell uh, in a passionate way, which can then ignite the passion in the folks that are listening to you tell the story because that's the whole point of this is being able to uh to ignite the passion in the folks listening to your story. All right, let's bring on another caller. Area code uh 608. You're on there? air 469 You're on there? Come on. Okay, 608. <laughs> You don't have to talk, I'll uh <laughs> I just didn't see the uh I didn't see a red hand, so <clears throat> <Yeah. clears throat> all right. Uh, so we're talking tonight about the history, uh portion of the Appleseed project, about uh how we tell the history. Uh uh, the reason we tell the history and uh, and we welcome you to call in 347 308 8790 All right I'm going to type this into the uh, into the chat I want to
2: talk while you're doing that
1: Thank you very much because uh, as we all know I cannot uh <laughs> type and talk Uh, So go ahead, Sam.
2: As we tie those little pieces of history together, as we make the connections between them and show the sense of community that they displayed, it helps our people become motivated to learn more about history, history of the Revolution War, the history of their own families, and their connections with the past. There are all kinds of people involved in there. You heard Scout talk about Hezekiah Wyman being with David Lampson when they set up that ambush for the supply wagon. We all talk about people telling Jason Russell, you need to get out of there. And Jason Russell saying, an Englishman's home is his castle, and he wasn't going to leave. David Lampson and Hezekiah Wyman were two of the folks that told Jason Russell, you ought to get out of there.
1: Right, and we you brought up this. a good point, which is what uh, what Russell said. He didn't say, uh, an American's home is his castle. I'm going to stay here and fight for American independence. He said, an Englishman's home is his castle. Because, uh, as we know, the, uh, the colonists, the great majority of them were English, uh, some were Scots, some were Irish, uh, but the great majority of them were English. The same reason that that we know that Paul Revere didn't say uh, the British are coming, the British are coming, because that would have made little or no sense. I told the folks at the events here in Texas, I said, you know what? It makes as much sense as it would if if he were to ride by today, yelling the Texans are coming, the Texans are coming, because. <laughs>
5: Uh, you know,
1: uh, we're all Texans, so I don't, that doesn't mean anything. He said the regulars are coming. And the reason that uh, the reason that the folks like Russell were upset, because they said an Englishman's home was his castle, is because they wanted their rights under the English Constitution. That's really all they wanted. They wanted their rights under the English Constitution. Just like I told you earlier, the Texans wanted their rights under the Mexican Constitution. And... Uh, and the knowledge that history gives you is, uh, is very, very important. The reason that people would do things, the reason that people did things, and the results of their actions. Uh, these are things you need to know, like uh, Sam and I were talking about it earlier. Uh, obviously, it's much easier to read about someone yanking their hand off a hot burner on the stove and learning not to do it that way than it is for you to put your hand on the hot burner so that you can learn that it's hot. Uh, Knowing of your history is much the same way. Uh, It's a good way for you to understand uh, the cause and effect uh, in this nation. All right, guys, the call-in number is 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. Now, you were talking about uh, uh, earlier, Sam, you were talking about uh, uh, you said you'd heard some recent discussion of the history. So uh, elaborate on that. Well, people have been looking into it and studying more and
2: more. Referring more and more books to me And uh, I encourage our folks here To study up as much as they can They all go to Paul Revere's ride Because that's our book That's where we work from But as soon as they get done with that I tell them start looking through the bibliography Look at where Fisher did his research And take a look at that Because even Fisher will tell you There's stuff that he just couldn't afford To put in the book and there are so many more interesting small tales to help you connect with your students at the shoot to bring them into the, uh, you, you need to make them part of that history. They need to see their connection. You have women out there like Prudence Wright. You got little boys out there like Sam Wilson. Nobody ever thinks about Sam Wilson. It's documented he's out there toting water to, to those guys while they're waiting for that ambush Sam Wilson grew up to be Uncle Sam 8 year old boy out there toting water to the guys and there are other boys out there toting lunches to them carrying ammunition to them women taking food and supplies to them 13 year old girls making paper musket cartridges 16 year old lady blacksmiths unspiking cannon rebuilding French muskets it was a community effort Oh yeah! Everybody was involved, and when you remind right. when people we, of that, when they we, feel we look that back on here,
1: right, right, and when we look back on the history, uh, we look back on and we think about those days in a, a celebratory fashion. Uh, you know, flying the flags and uh, and excited and happy. And at the time, on that day, it was a horrific event across the colonies. Uh you know, when the, when the uh when we think about the American Revolution and we think about uh, and usually the majority of most Americans think about it in a July fourth fashion. You know, flying the flags and uh fireworks and uh you know, you've got the drums and the fifes and uh, and it's a happy, celebratory day. And back on that day, uh, it was much different. It was a very, very uh, dark day. <clears throat> I'm not saying that the folks weren't proud of uh, uh, of their accomplishments. What I'm saying was, it was a day fraught with horror uh, for the colonists, and uh, the beginning of what they knew was going to be uh, a terrible war with England with the with the regulars uh they had uh, uh the uh, the great panic that went through uh uh several parts of uh Massachusetts many of the cities there uh where folks left their homes and uh, and ran and hid in panic uh because if they felt that the the regulars were going to be coming through their towns marauding and slashing and burning and killing and uh, and it was a great dark period uh, for many of the colonists uh, that this time the, the the colonists of this time whenever they thought about war they didn't think about it in in say the uh, the way that it was uh, celebrated almost uh, in kind of a bizarre fashion across the south during the American Civil War or uh, uh in in say the way that uh the folks were not celebrating but the way that they were uh signing up by the tens of thousands after Pearl Harbor uh it was uh, it was thought of as a terrible thing uh, each of the generations, each of the preceding generations, had had a war. The 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 people in the colonies did not look at, at war as a thing to celebrate. Uh, they thought of it as a very serious business, something not to be taken lightly, and a very serious and dark business. Not something to be celebrated, but something to be done uh, in as... Uh, uh, in as good a fashion as they could and get it done and get it over with and that's the way that they were thinking about it which is uh which is pretty much the the correct way i think i don't think you should be celebrating war uh because there is there's no such thing as a as a good war uh so i think that they were i think that they were looking at it right but when we look back on it we look back on it in a different fashion than the folks that were experiencing it that day you know,
2: Scout, back then, war was an in- intensely personal thing. I and mean, I sat here in New Mexico watching people prosecute our war from here. In those days, you had to be close enough to take a whack at him on a musket or shove 18 inches of cold steel through his belly. And they had been through many wars, not just the French and Indian War, but, well, for example, the most bloody war the United States has ever had happened well before the French and Indian War. One out of every eight men in the colonies died in King Philip's War. Right. On a per capita basis, that's the most bloody war we've ever had. If we had had a war like that in the Second World War, we would have had five million casualties. Right. Five million one out of every right. eight adult males in the
1: colonies were killed Those right people and whenever you think close. about the when think about people think about warfare now <clears throat> you have to remember that uh, 200 plus years ago the warfare was tremendously different there was no life flight there was no uh, uh there was no modern medicine uh, nothing even resembling modern medicine there wasn't even aspirins. uh when you had a wound, I mean, even a a slight wound, that could very well be a, a death knell for you. If a bullet hit a bone, that and it was in one of your limbs, that limb had to come off. There's no way of fixing that. I mean, it didn't even have to it didn't have to tear the arm off. The bullet just had to enter in and break the bone. And once it hit that bone, and it uh, it caused some bone splinters. Uh even if you retrieved the bullet you had bone splinters. And bone splinters cause the wound to get infected and you get gangrene. And you get gangrene and you die. There's no uh there's no antibiotics. You get uh, uh as a matter of fact there's a story uh uh story after story on this, but you hear one of the stories of the the fellow who had been shot, uh, uh, I believe, in the uh, in the shin area, and uh, he didn't want them to remove the leg until it got gangrene. Then they had to. So they they took it off just as as low as they could, so they could save as much of his leg as he could. But it wasn't low enough. He got gangrene again. They had to take off another section, and they had to take it off again up above the knee and then a little bit higher up on the thigh because he just he didn't want to give up uh, any more of the leg than he had to. Now, remember, there's no anesthesia. Not even not even local, let alone a general anesthesia. There's no anesthesia. So each time they're taking off this leg, they're cutting through the flesh with all of the nerve sensors active and then sawing through the bone. And uh, for any of you guys that have ever had any broken bones or any surgery done, uh, I don't have to tell you that this is a nightmarish experiment. And this would have to be done every time a bullet struck a bone. Uh, it, there was no life flight. There's no doctors. There's no medicine. Uh, it, that's it. There's no hospitals, no ambulances. Uh, and you could make. End up getting a uh, a doctor who feels that the best way to uh, the best way to take care of a wound is to bleed it. So now he's going to cut you open and drain some of your blood out to uh, to help you get better. And uh, uh, the the whole experience. Uh, of warfare was horrible then and uh, and people don't think about that now if the husband uh, were killed who's going to take care of the of the family then there's no pensions there's no uh, uh, there's no insurance uh, there's nothing if something gets uh if somebody in their family gets uh, the uh, the money provider, uh, the food provider for the family uh, gets killed or injured, then they don't have to be killed. You just have a, a leg missing or an arm missing. <clears throat> How are they going to provide for themselves then? How are they going to be taken care of? Uh, it was a much different world than what we live in today uh let's bring another call on the line area code 817 you're on the air 817879 you're on the air all right so so knowing the events you can you can hear a story of how somebody uh of how a uh a group of american patriots uh got together and they uh, fought battles on uh, April nineteenth, seventeen seventy-five, and you can say, "Oh, that's great! Great, what a bunch of great guys!" But uh, until you understand, until you understand what went on on that day, then uh, how are you going to know what it meant? How are you going to know what kind of sacrifices they made? All right. If you'd like to call in, the number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Let me try this caller again, in case you just didn't hear me. Uh, area code eight one seven. You're on there All right. A lot of times, people call in. They just want to. Uh, they just want to listen. All right, and uh, and for the folks that uh, uh, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the show, uh, if you would like to learn more about the Appleseed Project, you can go to appleseedinfo.org or rwva.org. That's our homepage, and you can navigate from there uh, to uh, to learn more about the Appleseed Project, about what we do when we do it. There's also a forum. And uh, you can become part of the forum and uh, and talk to other folks uh on the forum there. Now, there's plenty of information uh on the forum and on the home page uh to help you uh become part of the Apple project, to help you become help you become uh a rifleman. Alright. Uh Area Code three six one you're on the air.
6: Hi, uh Scout. It's Pop.
1: Hey, you were you about to call me Pop? <laughs> Pop.
6: <laughs> hey,
1: Pop. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Go on. Well,
0: we're up here in
6: uh, Osage Beach this week. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm listening. We got you, Pop. Yeah, we're up, we're up here in Osage Beach this week, and. Uh, just about everybody has walked outside already. I'm up and I just got out of the shower. I took a hot shower. I feel like a new person, man. They appreciate it too, I'm sure. But we spent most of the, most of the day out on KD with a VA shooter and Mike and a few others. Uh, very, very educational. Extremely educational.
1: And uh, well, excellent. Well, I opened up your mic a while ago, and I kept trying to get you to come on, but I guess uh, well, I don't know if you couldn't it, hear me or you were talking to somebody else or something. Lee
6: in the shower at the time, and uh, here's Pappy. He just walked in. Come say hi, Pappy. Hey, how you doing? How are
3: you? Hey, how's it he going? Not too bad at all. We got us a couple of riflemen here at Osage Beach, Missouri, the boot camp out
1: here. Nice. well excellent excellent how are the uh how are the guys doing with uh, telling the stories they're doing very well
3: doing very well we've got a couple of orange hats that are moving up and they're doing just just what the doctor ordered well what about the the folks that are attending the event Some of them are repeaters um some of them are brand new to the program i uh, had a fellow Marine Corps shoot his rifleman today. And uh, another young man who was really getting down down on himself yesterday really turned it around and brought it back home today. Folk, pictures will be posted on the forum. You'll see them. All
1: right, well, great. Great, glad you guys are, uh, glad you guys are having a good event there. Today's Tuesday, so you've got uh, a few more days to go, and then... Uh, and then you guys will be having the, uh, the apple seed that follows it. And, yes, sir. Uh, and how are the attendees doing on telling the story? you have them telling the story yet? Um, not
3: yet. The attendees are not telling the story right now. They're they're soaking it up. Okay. okay First time I've good. Show. Great show. I enjoyed listening to you.
1: Well, listen. We'll be looking for the pictures and uh and thanks guys, thanks for putting in the time and the effort uh to put on an RBC because uh they're very time uh intensive uh and uh, uh and it takes it takes a lot of time for and a lot of instructors and uh, we wish you guys the best of luck. And we'll be looking for uh, stories on the uh uh, for write-ups on the event on the forum.
3: Sure. Thanks a lot.
1: All right. Thank, thank you. you.
6: Hey, Scout. Hey. Hey, I just want to say the folks up here at Osage Beach have a really nice range. It'll never ever be as nice as the but it's, <laughs> it's But no, it's it is nice. They've got. Uh, uh, of course, a, a good 25 meter range, and then they can shoot out to 400. And uh, Thor's Hammer is planning to expand that to about six, and probably by this time next year, I would expect to be able to do it. But uh, it's kind of a scenic part of Arkansas, driving up, I mean, uh, Missouri, plan, uh, driving up through here, and so I've enjoyed the the trip and meeting all the folks from this part of the country. Uh, uh, Art from uh, Kansas, who was at the Kansas uh, RBC this July, is here, and uh, he is really improving. So I would just about expect him to make it before he leaves. So. Art was here last year. Oh, he was here last year? He was here last year. Okay. So uh, uh, he was uh, here last year and then at the Eureka, Spring, uh, Eureka Kansas RBC in July, and now this one. Uh but he'll make it. he 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 made a lot of improvement today. So So
1: well, that sounds great. That sounds great. Sounds like you guys are are having a great time there. Let me try another caller here. Uh area eight one two, area code eight one two, you're on the air?
0: Hey, it's me Tech Chris. Hey
1: Tech, how are you doing?
0: Doing pretty good. Awesome. I gotta make it pretty quick tonight, but I just wanna call and say hey.
1: All right. Well welcome to the show. Uh tonight we're mainly talking about uh about appleseed and history and uh why the history is important to the program and how that sets us apart from uh from the many other uh firearms courses that are out there and why it's important to us uh, as instructors to tell the story and how we tell it. So uh uh, so just chime in, what, uh, wherever you feel uh, on the appleseed and history aspect.
0: Well, you know, uh, history is the reason I'm here. I uh, I've, I've been to other schools. I've I've learned how to shoot better from lots of people. And at the um, end of it, you know, your technical skills are better, and you can uh, you can you can well, have a sense of accomplishment, but. You know, what we do is a sense of mission, not just accomplishment. What we do is a sense of uh, meaning and purpose. And that all is driven by the history. And, uh, you know, like they say, um, the facts are important. uh, The facts deserve their due. But more important than that is the connection to the history, the connection to the people. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing my history and, um, you know, I'm talking about Isaac Davis, my memory of what color his shoes were is not as important as the fact that, that I know, uh, what the look in his eyes was and, uh, can feel a small portion of that and understand what that means for me and the burden that I owe. Um, and so that's uh that's where the history is and that's what's uh vital about what we do because that connection is what will drive people to change their lives, not you know, the mechanics of, of what they do with the, the seer and the trigger. So Exactly. Uh,
1: and and we have you know, I I tell folks that <clears throat> we tell the history. We tell the history of April 1975, and we tie it in to to what's going on now in their lives. Like I said earlier, not because uh, we're trying to imply that there's any type of revolution beginning or anything like that. Instead, what I mean is that we tie it into the fact that that they have a debt that they owe, and that once you come to uh, once you come to an event, once you hear the history, once you once it has been explained to you, your place. Uh, In this picture, in this story Then you have two things you can do One, you can go back You can put your head back into the sand You can put your butt back on the couch You can pick a remote back up And you can zone back out Or you can realize That you have a debt that you owe And since you can't pay it back To the people that you owe it to You have to realize that you have to pay it forward to those who come after. The guys who were doing stuff on uh, 1775, uh, yes, to a certain degree, they were doing it for themselves, but you read the stories of any of the people that were there, of any of the the folks who spoke about that day, uh, you won't see a lot of eyes in it. Uh, You won't see a lot of folks saying that I did this for me. I did this because of what I needed. Uh, The great majority of the folks talk about doing it for posterity, for those who come after. That's us. They're doing it for those that come after. They were paying that debt for the folks that come after And we have to realize that we are in the same position now. We have to do the things now. We have to understand that we have a responsibility to do things for those who will come after. That's a big responsibility. We have to do things for the folks that are coming after us, for our kids, for our grandkids, for our great-grandkids, for the millions of folks we will never, ever meet. And we still have a responsibility to. And to me, and that is what the history does. It it reintroduces folks to the fact that they have a sacred obligation, a responsibility to the nation to ensure that their rights, their freedoms, their liberties, that they enjoy, uh, by virtue of the fact that they are a citizen of this nation, that those rights, those freedoms and those liberties are safeguarded and protected. And I don't mean with a gun. I mean with their minds.
0: Yep. And that's and that's what we do. And that's uh that's what hooked me, uh, you know, Carrollton in O six. That's what uh drew me back time and time again and that's what uh keeps me going uh, every time I do it, and I can see uh in the students' eyes those that get it and uh you know it's 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 really really fun to hand out the rifleman patch and to have students who break the two ten um, but the moment for me is when I'm rolling third strike into my benediction on Saturday night' cause that's how I do it, and I look around and I can see the people who get it that there's a direct roll-in between the moment of history and into what you do when you leave this place today. And this is your moment to make your decision about the rest of your life. And you can see them weighing it. And that's the magic moment. Far exactly. Than-
1: exactly. And, and if you guys, uh, uh, certainly the majority of you folks listening, or if you've been in the program, then... Then you've heard the benedictions, uh, you know, from different folks. So you know what he's talking about. And if you're an instructor, then you've given the benediction, and and you understand it from that point. And I'm telling you, uh, for me, that's got to be uh, that is the 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 icing on the cake. That's the the cream uh, off the milk bucket. Is that exact point that Tekris is just talking about whenever you give the benediction on saturday evening and uh, and then once again uh on sunday you know we'll roll the the history into uh, a final benediction on sunday <clears throat> and then even then you know then you've got the folks who have uh who have been both days who've come both days who've heard every bit of history who've heard all of the discussions who've heard the the initial benediction and now on the second one And I tell those folks, I say, look around you. Look look at the faces around you today. Look around this Saturday evening and look at the faces around you because those are the people that are going to make history. And when I say make history, I'm not talking about You're going to read their names in the papers uh, this next week for something that they've done. I mean they actually make the history. They make it happen. In the dark days of uh, 17. Seventy-six, when most of the uh, the Continental Army had left their uh, enlistments had inspired the initial fervor of uh, April 19th and, uh, and Bunker Hill had worn off and the militias had gone home and our country was defended was represented by only a small handful a tiny group of men and Joseph Reed who is Washington's assistant, wrote to a friend. He said, when I look around me now, he said, those noisy sons of liberty are nowhere to be found. What he was talking about were the people that, uh, just like today, they jump up and down and they bang on their computers. And uh, and they say, oh, what I would do. Oh, this is, uh, listen, If I if I was doing it, this is how I would do it. Or they'll never, they shall not pass, you know, this point. He's talking about those people, especially like uh, nowadays. You could talk about them as the uh, the computer uh, commanders, the computer uh, uh, patriots. Uh, he says, "When well, I look around me, he says the noisy sons of liberty are nowhere to be found. Instead, I'm surrounded by the folks I would least have expected it from. The folks I would least how they'd expected it from. I'm surrounded by the everyday folks, the men and women who the who make up this nation, the the, the backbone of this nation, and those are those are the folks that you see Saturday evening, Sunday evening, and when you are giving them the the story and the bit benediction, and you like like Techers is saying, you look in your eyes and you see that they get it you see that they understand they know now granted some of them might uh, be seduced back onto the couch uh, by the uh, by the lure of the remote and the uh, the information overload but the great majority of them are going to go on to do something uh, and you're going to know that through your story through telling the history that you have caused some folks' lives to change. You've actually changed people's lives. And uh, the way that I know this is because people have told me that. You know, they've they've, they've written to me, they've called me, they've emailed me uh, in the weeks and months after events, sometimes years later. And they've told me that that, that Appleseed event, uh, that listening to the history at that event, was a changing point in their life. It caused them to have a sea change. And it was a great, uh, it was a changing point in their life. So the history that we tell at these events is of a huge importance to the people. And you may think that, well, uh, getting one or two people uh, to listen to the history And to do something is not that big a deal. Well, maybe it's not. But how do you know which people you're changing? How do you know which people you're causing their lives to change? When those kids, when you look down and you see five or six, seven kids listening to you, telling the history, and you see in their eyes that they're listening, you see that they can hear the passion that you're telling the story with, how do you Mm -hmm. know where they're going to go? How do you know what they're going to do and what they're going to become? And how do you know how much of it is going to be because of the story that you told them? Listen, I'm telling you, this is a very important part of the program, and it's a very – it can be a huge change in people's lives. And maybe changing two or three or a half dozen lives – an event isn't a big deal, all right? But then but then you start adding that to a 1,000 events or 2,000 events. And now we're talking about 6,000 lives changed or 12,000 lives changed or 30,000 lives changed. And guess what? Now it starts to be a pretty important thing. It starts to be a pretty big thing. And that's the way you need to think about it.
0: Exactly. I need to jump off here. Thank you again, Scott, for all that you're doing. And well uh, thank you, Tecris.
1: Do you have anything else that you wanted to uh, put out before you go?
0: Uh no, I'm I'm good for now. I've got a son who's suffering uh math right now and yeah. I gotta go back and help him some more. Don't
1: mention that. <laughs> all right, I'll talk <laughs> to you later. <laughs> he says Bye-bye. don't mention that. All right, Tecris, thank you for calling in. You have a good evening. <laughs> Don't mention that. <clears throat> well, I usually have the same thing uh, going on here. I know sometimes uh, uh, you guys don't see it, and you may you may hear something strange like uh, like me talking, and then my, I'm kind of like drift off or I stall for a second or something. But uh, on Tuesday nights when I do the show, uh, my wife and I are both uh, you know involved in uh, volunteer organizations. You know, we always we always have been, I guess. And uh, she's the uh, uh, she's just uh, finished up her term as president of the Bell County Junior League, which is a, a huge league here in Texas. And uh, so on Tuesday night, she is a uh, she's at Junior League meetings, just happened to work out that way. And uh, I'm here doing the radio show uh, with my five daughters. And uh it's not uncommon for me like last week to get a uh, to have one of the doctor daughters come up with a piece of paper and hand it to me while I'm talking to you guys and on it is written something like uh, uh I have a cut on my foot that's bleeding uh can you stop the bleeding and then there'll be two squares check yes if you can and check no if you can't." <laughs> so uh, so I'm familiar with the uh, with the kids there like uh what <clears throat> like uh, was doing and I tell my children the story of April 19 1775 I tell them uh what went on on that date and uh, I've read the Paul Revere's ride to them uh, we would have regular uh nightly readings before bed and uh, we've read the, the stories of Paul Revere and uh, of, uh, uh, of 1776, and that's an important thing for you to do is to involve your your families in this. Make sure that they understand the history. If you have children, make sure that they understand the history of why we do this, of why of of how we got to where we are. Let me check another uh, caller here on the line. See if they are, if they want to talk. Area code five zero seven. Uh, you're on the air. Freedom v. hey, who's this still freedom v oh freedom v oh okay, all right well i, I just uh, thank, I had a couple of a couple so of lines much. that were that I wanted to check and make sure I gave people a a chance to talk again if they wanted to talk.
4: thank you so much scout the, this show is is a ray of hope, just like the uh whole appleseed program uh for for thousands of us out here and uh I thank you so much for your your uh work with the program and uh and the radio show, um the podcasts. It's uh, it really is a ray of hope.
1: Well thank you, sir. I, I appreciate that. We're coming up on uh, let's see, how many are we on now? I'll have to i have to count the episodes and see. I think that we uh I think that we crossed the one hundred shows Mark a, a while back but I'll have to check and see uh but uh yeah it's been a lot uh, and, uh, uh it's uh, it's been one of those things where uh you know where where sometimes it's good uh I mean I always enjoy putting the information out sometimes it's better than others like tonight it kept it took me back out of the I feel I would still be bailing hay tonight uh, if it weren't for the radio show so so that's a certainly a plus there uh, Thank you for what you're doing and uh and I want to thank each and every Appleseed instructor that we have, and I want to encourage all of the instructors to really think about the story. About how important it is, and that means <clears throat> reading uh about the history, reading about the history, and then figuring out a way to tell the story to make it important uh because as i as I say to you guys over and over, the guys that are telling the stories that if you're if you tell the story, if you're just doing a dry recitation of facts then you're stealing from yourself and you're stealing uh, from the folks who are attending and you're certainly stealing from the people that you're talking about because a dry recitation of facts is good uh, if you're going to take an exam on it. But it's not good if you're trying to motivate people uh, to become involved in safeguarding their rights, their freedoms and liberties. So first, learn about the history. First, read about the history and learn it. Uh, You can get the book, Paul Revere's Ride. If you look at the uh, show pages, I didn't do it tonight uh, until I came in late, but normally I'll have a a place where I can recommend uh, books that I've read. And I think it's on the bottom of the show page, I believe. There will usually be uh, several books there that... uh, it's part of a program between Amazon and Block Talk Radio. They'll let me post uh, up to three books, and usually I'll post three books uh, that I've read and that I can recommend to you guys. And uh, read about the history. Get yourself a good, solid base of knowledge on the history, because once you know, once you have the facts down, then it's not. Then then you you can eliminate that part of the nervousness or the anxiety in telling the story because uh, 50% of the anxiety you experience in telling the story comes from the fact that, uh, you want to make sure that you're getting the information right. All right. So you eliminate that part of the, uh, of the equation. Now that just leaves you with on how you're going to tell the story. So you get the knowledge down on, uh, uh, the information on the facts uh, of the story, the characters, etc., and then you work on your presentation. And you know, one of the ways that I do this is uh, is that I'll tell the story when I'm driving, or I'll tell the story uh, when I'm plowing or baling hay, etc. I'll just tell the story uh, to myself, and uh, and I'll rehearse, I'll practice. Telling the story, so that i can uh I can understand better how it's going to sound or how it's going to feel or how it's going to flow and then uh, of course I've practiced it on my kids and practiced it on my spouse and practice telling the story uh you can tell it to yourself uh while you're shaving you can uh, tell it to yourself in the shower, but practice telling the story so that you can understand the flow of it. And then, then you can start telling it to the people. Now, I've also told you this before, too, is that, <clears throat> you know, I have a background in uh, theater and uh, speech. And one of the things that I learned uh, early on is that whenever you're whenever you're performing for someone, uh, whenever you're telling a story, et cetera, when you're doing any kind of performance – you need to start out with understanding that the people you're doing it for, they are not sitting out there with sticks and stones and pitchforks and uh, and flames ready to kill the monster. They come to the event, they come to the show, they sit down to listen to you tell a story with the desire for you to succeed. They want you to succeed. They want the story to be good. They want to clap their hands. That's how the people come there. They don't come there. Uh, they're not looking at the story with, we're going to kill you if this is bad. They want you to succeed. They're rooting for you. <clears throat> so understand that. Understand that if you get a uh, a name incorrect or a date incorrect, uh, Number one, it's very doubtful that any of them in the audience listening are, are going to catch it uh, unless they're a historian or unless you stop and say, oh, man, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. The only way that uh, that anybody's ever going to know is if you do something like that. So you tell the story from your heart with passion. You link the story uh, together together. In a series of uh, in a uh, a series of vignettes that are close to your heart, that are close to your passion, and that's how you tell the story. You make it important first to yourself. Know the material. Uh, get used to telling the story, and then tell the story to the people with the understanding that they want you to succeed. They want the story to be a good one. They want to clap at the end. Not a dry recitation of facts, but a passionate uh, embrace of the story by you. All right. We're coming to the end of the show. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for calling in. Sam, thanks for uh, being my partner again. Thank you, Scout. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks to all the folks uh, in the chat room. Uh, who show up there to uh, help out with people who uh, are coming to the the show or coming to the chat room for the first time. I really appreciate that. Thanks to all the people uh, that are telling the stories out there, all the instructors, uh, all the red hats, all the orange hats that are telling the story. Uh, thanks to each and every one of them, because that is what is going to uh, take this program Uh, Forward is the of the program. All right. uh, Once again, thanks everybody for listening this evening. We'll see you again uh, next week, next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central. Thank you all, and God bless. Good night.